Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. So, all right. The angle of this thing is crazy. There we go. Hey, it's such a, such a pleasure to, uh, to be here this morning with you guys. It's just an honor that uh, the church would gather and sing songs to Jesus and open up the scripture, scriptures. And it's an honor to be here to, uh, to preach today to you guys. Um, and we're just going to do this together. So it's not just me preaching at you, but it's us as a body learning the scriptures together and coming to know Jesus um, together as well. Let's just recap a little bit. We're in the middle of our Rethink series. Um, so we're rethinking certain things as we go through the, uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, which is a book in the Bible. Um, and it's written by a guy named Paul. And today's thing that we're going to rethink is freedom. And we've gone through things like marriage and singleness and what does it look like for brothers to reconcile um, through the, the law. And we're, we're going to go in the future. We're going to come up to some, some really interesting things. We're going to talk about... Uh, um, spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about church uh, leaders and stuff like that. And um, that's the beauty of preaching through books of the Bible is that there's just stuff that's going to come up and we have to talk about it. And so I'd encourage you guys uh, in your devotional life and in your prayer times and in your study, just go through books of the Bible, just like what we're doing right here today uh, and for the past few months and for the next few months as a church. Um, we will take a break from the Rethink series for a little bit during the summer to do a summer series, and then we're going to start this up again and finish 1 Corinthians together as a church in the fall. And it's been a good time. Has it been fun? Yeah. See? Church can be fun. <laughs> Who would have known? Uh, awesome. So the issue today, like we said, is rethinking freedom. And uh, as, as we read the scripture earlier, we saw this, there's this little bit of a tension between the things that we know and how we love and what that all has to do with our freedom in Christ. And there's definitely a tension there. And so we're going to get to know Jesus today. Um, I think this is ultimately the, the crux of his argument is that um, there's something about not just knowing knowledge, but something about being known as a person and knowing other people. Um, and so let's start off, let's get to know Jesus. That's our, this is going to be our frame. Um, so I think I have a slide for this. Uh, that Jesus is the one who bought our freedom, and he is perfectly free. So when we think about freedom, let's start with that. Jesus is the one who knows perfectly and is perfectly known. I'm going to flesh all this out as we go. And Jesus is the one who loves perfectly and is perfectly loved. So Jesus bought our freedom. He's perfectly free. He knows perfectly. He has perfect knowledge and he's perfectly known. And Jesus is the one who loves perfectly and is perfectly loved. And there's a lot in there and we're going to un kind of unpack it as we go. But that's Jesus and that's, that's who we want to get to know this morning. All right, so let's start off. Let's just read 1 Corinthians 8, 1 to 3 again just to make sure that we're on the right track together. 
So Paul says, now concerning food offered to idols. It's like, this is our topic now. This is the issue that we're dealing with. You guys have asked me, and now I'm going to respond. The Corinthian church has asked Paul, hey, what do we do about this situation? And he's like, all right, let's talk about it. We know that all of us possess knowledge. There's kind of a little warning here, right? This knowledge, quote unquote, uh, puffs up. So this is maybe, in their letter they wrote to him, this is maybe a saying or a phrase that they were using at the time, right? All of us have knowledge. All of us know certain things. And he's, he's quoting that and saying, let's talk about this exact thing that you said. Um, this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I imagine it like this, right? Knowledge, I know things. I'm a very smart person, right? Knowledge puffs up. Puffs us up in our mind, puffs us up in our uh, out of whatever your ego or I don't know just, it just puffs up right but love love builds up love seeks out the best interest for other people um, if anyone imagines that he knows something I love these I love these words imagines so you think you know but you have no idea you ever heard that that's a good saying basically what he's saying right you think you know you have no idea he does not yet know as he ought to know but if anyone loves God, he's known by God. And so knowing, knowing and being known is kind of the crux to how we think about our freedom. And we starts with, he starts with their identity. As someone who loves is known by God. And so what does it mean to be known by God? Because he's not just addressing that issue of the food sacrificed to idols, right? Like that's the issue on the table that they're trying to figure out. This is, but there's something bigger and he's trying to craft their heart, not just guide their particular actions. Paul is trying to craft their heart, not just tell them what to do and what not to do. And certainly right here, this is an opportunity and I think ultimately his desire is for them to repent and think differently about knowledge, freedom, and love. And so this is an opportunity for us as well to kind of rethink freedom, knowledge, and love and possibly even repent of the way that we've been thinking about it. And so when we think about freedom, when we think about freedom, the way that we operate in freedom and our identity, who we are, is someone who's known by God. And so, here's point number one. Being known is greater than knowing. Anybody have Facebook in here? Yeah. How much stuff can you find out on Facebook? There's a lot of stuff on there, right? How much stuff can you find out about people? Right, we're talking about knowing, being known. How much stuff can you find out about people on Facebook? A lot of stuff, right? A lot of stuff. I can find out your birthday. I can find out your email. I can maybe find out where you live, depending on how much information you reveal, right? I can find out the things you like to do, because I can stock your pictures, right? I can, I can find out the places that you like to go, because <laughs> you check in there, right, when you go there. <clears throat> I, can, I can find out your political views by the um, funny blog articles that you, or the silly memes that you uh, share, right? We can know a lot about people these days. We can know a lot about things, topics, ideas. We can know lots of stuff. There's such a great opportunity to know things, know facts, know concepts. 
But Facebook alone does not help you know a person, who they are. You know a lot about them, but something in being known is actually being experienced, experiencing that person, being face to face with them, seeing how they laugh or knowing what gets them excited. And seeing when it comes to my wife, right? When I, when I see her laugh, the thing that she does with her head when she's really excited, right? Just <laughs> her big, her big, uh, her big grew her laugh. And that's her cousin on the other side. <laughs> and there's something just so joyful about being around her and being face to face and knowing her in all the little ways, not just knowing about her. I didn't decide to, to marry her. Or let's say it's like this. Let's say you're best friend, right? You don't, you don't have a spouse yet. That's fine. We talked about singleness. It's totally, uh, totally great. You can actually live a perfectly full life being single. How do you... Uh, single, um, but how do you choose your best friends, right? Not the people that you know a lot about, though you'll come to know a lot about them, but it's the people you experience face to face, and you get to know them. And so being known by God, then, is God being face to face with you, and you being face to face with God. There's something beautiful there. The Bible often says that God knows us by name, He doesn't just know about us. He knows your name. And not just your name. He knows all the intimate things about you. Whether you're a Christian or not. A Christian gets to walk with Jesus and talk to him and experience him and know that day in and day out. A non-Christian, God is still right there. That the Spirit of God is still pursuing that person. That if we would slow down in our everyday lives, maybe close our eyes and just ask God where he is, he actually might just say, hey, I'm, I'm right here. I just, I'm right in front of your face. And so this, this theological truth that Paul is throwing out here needs to lead to humility because God knows what you did last summer. God knows what you're going to do this summer. Right? He knows what you did yesterday. He knows and he still wants face-to-face time. We were just talking in Kid City this morning that his mercies are new every day. That being known by God is having him fully know everything amazing about you, but also in every way in which you've tried to turn away from him, in every way that you've sinned. But he still pursues. How cool is that? How beautiful is that? And it leads to humility. Wow, God, that's amazing. That's amazing. That you would know me, that you would want to be with me, face to face with me. Man, maybe I have to do that for other people. And if, if being, if theological truth, if theological truth doesn't lead to humility, then you're not ready for theology 
You're not ready for truth. You're not ready for knowledge. It all has to lead to humility. Because it all magnifies, well, not necessarily magnifies as in God's small and he's made bigger because we have a magnifying glass, right? God is big. But it shows us, it shows us how big and amazing and good and gracious and kind he is. And that's super humbling. So the main issue, knowledge, knowing truth, puffs up and doesn't build necessarily if it's not coupled with love. What does it matter? Let's, just the church. If you're a Christian here today, this, you, we can have a little conversation. If you're not a Christian here today, you get to listen in on family time and enjoy it. Um, what does it matter if we claim to know God? Yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he's my Lord and Savior. Yeah, that's great. But God doesn't know us. You don't let him, he's right there waiting for you to just be like, yeah, God, this is, be with me in my life. Be with me. He knows anyways, right? But Jesus says there's, uh, there's this one situation um, where people were casting out demons and they were like, hey, look at all these great things we do in your name. And he says, yeah, but but I don't know you. I never knew you. So here's a question for us. What great evil has been done by Christians who claim to know things or claim to know God? By us even in this room, not just, you know, those other ones out there, right? Because that's what we like to do. We say, oh, yeah, 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 I know that person that you're talking about, right? <clears throat> All right, what do we know theologically? Let's, let's frame it like this. Oh, I know this in my mind because I hear it every Sunday at church. Okay, Jesus loves me. He holds me. He set me free. It's a good thing to know, right? Like, we need to know that because that's the truth, is it? Yeah, just like Paul says in the text, right? Here, here's the truth. You guys know this, Right? There is no God but one. That's a good, like, truth, isn't it? There's no God but one. We believe that as the church. An idol has no real existence. Yeah, there's, you know, so-called gods, so-called lords, right? But for us, there's one God and Father. This is the theological topic. This is what they say they know. Okay, so let's use language that maybe we would use. Yeah, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right. All right, and, and we know that, and let's store that. So that's us. And then there's this contrast in the text between a weaker brother and a stronger brother. And so the stronger brothers are ones who, who know that, and they, they hold on to that, and maybe even speak confidently about that. Um, and then there's these, these weaker brothers who, in your confidence and knowing of these theological truths are easily swayed in their conscience by the way that we, the stronger brothers, let's say, if we're starting to think, okay, yeah, I'm a stronger brother because I know these things. These things are, are firm for me. They're truth. Um, <clears throat> the way they see it, us live our lives. So they watch us. They see that we have confidence. They see our life. The weaker brother is easily swayed in their conscience. 
And so the situation is that the, uh, the stronger brothers are in a pagan temple type idea, right? A pagan temple, and maybe they've been invited in, and, you know, people would sacrifice meat um, on the altar to their pagan god, and then they would have, uh, it'd also be like a dining hall, and so they'd make their sacrifice, there'd be some meat left over, and so they would share it um, with people and invite people into the meal, um, and then maybe even there's some left over, and then they would go sell it at the meat market and whatever, right? And this is kind of what's going on. And so, let's say this Christian, this stronger brother, has been invited to this event at the pagan temple, and the weaker brother, the weaker brother, is like, oh, they're in the pagan temple. I used to be a pagan. Can I do that? This is what's going on, right? And the theological truth for the stronger brother is, there's only one God. These idols, right, these idols, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So I'm free. I'm free in Christ. I can do whatever because these idols are no thing, right? There's only one God. But they see, and so maybe their conscience is like, oh, is it okay to eat meat, sacrifice to idols? Is it okay to like live my old lifestyle again? I mean, I get it. You're free in Christ and uh, you're over there eating meat and so maybe I can just go eat meat and hang out over here with my old pagan friends and we can worship the rain god or whatever sacrifice our meat on the altar and then all right so this is maybe this is maybe the situation for us okay so we kind of we're kind of framing the situation here um what if the, what if your weaker brother let's say you're the stronger one what if your weaker brother sees your life and your life looks like this okay you're free in christ jesus loves me Woo, that's the truth. But you don't pray. They never see you read scripture. Maybe tons of other things. They see you always watching Netflix. They're always on Facebook. Or buying the latest and greatest material possession. Anybody got the iPhone 28? Or to see you always having deep, deep anxiety over your career path. Or when things get hard, let's say, you know, things get hard in the church and maybe we have uh, a disagreement in the church or, you know, it's time to reconcile or it's time to disciple each other or um, time to forgive, time to repent and love and serve. But instead, they just always see you just hopping off from one church to the next or just avoiding the conflict. Because here's the, here's the truth. You're free to do all those things, right? There's no scripture verse that says, you cannot watch Netflix all the time. Like, there's no verse like that, right? So we have this freedom to kind of live our lives to the glory of God in the way that we see fit, right? There's certain freedoms. You're free to own the iPhone 28. You are. You're totally, totally free. It's not a sin to have the latest iPhone. But the gospel, the good news of who Jesus really is, should compel us to view life and our freedom differently because of the things that we know. Here's the truth. Man, people are dying out there. 
People don't know that God knows them and wants to know them. People don't know that God is good. And part of the issue for the stronger brother here is that they don't have compassion and love for their weaker brother. Here's the, here's the exact language that he uses. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Like, that's powerful, right? Like, destroyed. 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 It's not like a light topic. It's not like a fun topic, you know? It's like serious consequences to the things that we know in our mind and how that affects the way that we live and, and how it penetrates down into our heart and should well up in us this great desire to love people. That the things that we know, the things that we have the freedom to do, we could lay those aside for the sake of somebody else. Dang, that's hard. That's convicting even for me, right? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't start writing this sermon until after reading the scripture um, last week and earlier this week. I couldn't start writing the sermon until later in the week because I needed time to, to pray over this and say, God, what, who am I in that? How do I do this? God, could you grow my heart? Do we cry and weep? Do we have anguish over the fact that our theological knowledge and our understanding of what we're free, how we're free to live could destroy somebody else? Do we weep over the fact that people out there are, should I say this, eternally going to experience separation from God? Here's a, so the way, okay, that knowledge has to penetrate deeper than just knowledge. That's kind of, I think we're there. And so here's a, uh, here's a quote by Charles Spurgeon. He was a pastor from a while ago. Um, and this is what he says about wisdom and, and knowledge. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise, um, Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. Okay, so they have knowledge, but they don't know how to use it. They don't know how to use it. So how do we then, if, as we come to know things, we're doing this as a church, right? This is not like, um, you know, you guys suck and all that, right? This is like, man, let's do this as a church. How do we take the things that we know 
right? Maybe you grew up in church. This is like, you, you hear the same things over and over and over and over and over. Maybe you've been in church for a while. You hear the same things over and over and over. It's like, okay, I get it in my mind. I get it. I get it. But how does it, how does it penetrate deeper? How does our freedom and right theological knowledge lead to loving God and loving people? And so hopefully we can maybe get there together. And I think, well, I know Paul says this, but I think he's starting to push us that direction. Okay, he says in verse nine, take care, take care, right? And so he's not, he's not just dictating their actions. He's not saying, just never eat the food in the pagan temple, right? That when your non-believing friend invites you over for dinner, like just you should never do that. Right? That's not what he's doing. He's saying, take care, take care. Let's slow down, let's consider, let's pray. And so here's point number two, that uh, the freedom to love is actually greater than our freedom to do. When we're known by God, we receive his free gift of grace and we are free to love our brothers and sisters. And that is greater than the fact that we're free to do whatever we want. Not whatever we want, but you get the idea. There are plenty of things out there that you're free to do as a Christian, right? Just think back to the garden. God's like, hey, you're free. The whole garden is yours. Eat whatever fruit you want. There's all these options out there that you're totally free to do. There's just one that I don't want you to do. Eat that tree. Life is kind of like that. And so there's plenty of things we have freedom to do. But what's greater than that is that you're actually released into a life where you're free to love people the way that God has loved you. And specifically in this uh, context, it's free to, uh, you're free to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And later in chapter 10, he's going to touch on what, uh, what that looks like in the context of the pagan friends who are throwing the meat party at the pagan temple. Okay? And what does it look like there? How do you exercise that freedom? And how can you be careful and take consideration of them? And that, that comes later. And in the in-between, in chapter 9, he's going to talk specifically about a right, a freedom that he's given up. And so Mike's going to preach next week about what does it look like, what are, what are rights that we have and freedoms that we have. We're going to talk more about it next week. So, for the strong brother, we can freely love the weak brother, and for the weak brother, we can freely love the strong brother. Sometimes it's annoying, right? You know that Christian is always like, hey, God's, this is the truth about God, and so that means that you shouldn't do this, 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 and this. And you're like, oh, oh. Right, like, there's maybe not a verse on it, right? Like, let's say the Netflix thing or the smoking thing, right? Smoke, there's not a verse that says you cannot smoke. In my opinion, right, and I could pull out some verses, right, see how tricky this gets? You probably shouldn't, right? But there's no exact verse that says anything about that. And so we can freely, the strong freely love the weak, and the weak, despite our annoying, strongly opinionated Christian counterparts, we can freely love them back in return, okay? Here's, I got two, two warnings here when it comes to this freedom to love and freedom to do. Uh, let's do a warning to the strong brother. 
I think this is ultimately Paul's, Paul's thing here. This is a warning to the strong brother. Do not intentionally harm the conscience of a weaker brother. There's serious consequences for negligently exercising your freedom to do with no consideration for the conscience of your weaker brother. And so this is my question as we consider this. If we consider ourselves a strong brother, do we know our preferences versus the theological truths that are in scripture? Right, and I just outlined a couple examples. Are they biblical? Are they like found in there? Here's another cool one. This is like all the rage in Toronto, right? It's like eat organic food. Right? And we can come up with all sorts of cool reasons, right? Like stewarding the earth, probably all that kind of stuff. And that's great stuff. Um, but when, the way that we live out those biblical imperatives may not be exactly the way that you are, express it, right? Maybe a good example. Um, but do you know your preferences? Are they biblical? There's, here's, a, here's a concrete example of just like something that's a truth, right? Like sex outside of marriage is adultery. Like, it just is that way. And everywhere in scripture, that's how it talks about it. But then there's certain things that we just have preferences about, right? And they may be informed by our theological stance and all that kind of stuff. Um, so this can be, and what, what, what can happen for the strong brother as they you know, kind of exercise freedom and go to the pagan temple or go to the nightclub or, you know, drink with their non-Christian friends or, you know, spend a lot of time doing Netflix or whatever. Um, this kind of freedom can easily turn into liberalism, right? And what they need to do is grow in their love for God and their love for people. It's like, yes, we're free. We can do whatever, right? And maybe even to the point where, where those theological truths that we stand on like can just be like, maybe it doesn't matter anymore, right? I know I'm free in Christ, I can go to the pagan temple, and then maybe after a while it's like, oh yeah, actually, I kind of just like being here. And uh, maybe there are, there, maybe there is this pagan God here that I'm always surrounding myself by. Or maybe, hey, you guys get, you guys get the point there. So do we pray? Do we do we give? Can this lead to a life where we don't pray, we don't serve, we don't give, we never talk about Jesus, we don't disciple our teams if we are our leaders in the church, we don't ask God for, for vision, where, God, where are we going, what are we doing, what's the next step? We just hop around from church to church, we make a bunch of nice friends and we can all agree that yes, it's good to be a nice person, and they affirm your Christianness, right? And your lifestyle, as long as like we're cool, I think you're super cool, then like, all right, this is good, right? That it can go there when our preferences become greater than what's in the scripture. And here's our warning to the, to the weaker brother. Because um, Paul in uh, chapter 10, kind of the end of it, we'll get to it in two weeks, he says, why should my freedom be dictated by your conscience, the conscience of others? 
And so he's, he's writing this, this line, right? And that's what I'm saying. He's not trying to just dictate your specific actions. He's trying to craft the way that you love and experience and feel. And he's trying to craft our heart. So here's our warning to the weaker brother. Um, because it's not just, hey, strong, you need to learn how to love your, the weaker brother. Weaker brother. Do not become, this, of course, sister as well, brother and sister. Do not become a full-time weaker brother or sister. Like, don't make that your full-time job. That that's who you, you're always the person who's, oh, that, that offends me, or, oh, I'm led astray by this, or I don't know this theological truth very well, and so I'm easily swayed, and... Um, And so, stronger brother, you have to always bend around me. You always have to succumb to my preferences and my conscience. Like, it can't be that either. That the job for the weaker brother is actually to come to, to know Jesus better, to understand their identity, that they're known by God, which we already talked about is a beautiful and amazing thing, and there's many freedoms there, and actually creates this firmness Here's a, here's a quote from N.T. Wright about what this can kind of look like. Sometimes people from a narrow background full of rules and restrictions that have nothing to do with the gospel itself but everything to do with a particular subculture try to insist that all other Christians should join them in their tight little world. And this is called legalism. And so the weaker brother, grow in your theological understanding. Let it transform your heart. Let it transform your actions. Let it put you in a solid place where you're not always influenced by other people's preferences or conscience. Here's a, here's a verse here that, that I think is amazing for this exact circumstance. And it's in Psalm 119. Uh, it's verse 165. Before you read it, it's probably already up on the screen. Before you read it, let's, uh, uh, let me just tell you about Psalm 119. <laughs> you're okay. You're okay. You're good. You're good. Oh, you, did? Oh, you took it off? Yeah, nice. <laughs> Keep it a surprise. <laughs> uh, so Psalm 119, it's, it is, I'm pretty sure it's the longest psalm. Like, it's really long. Like, it's pages, like, pages and pages. Like, I mean, we're quoting verse 165. Like, and that's not even the last one, right? Like, there's a lot of verses in this psalm. And what is it about? What is it about? Let me tell you. It's all about God's law, God's commandments, God's instruction. Um, all these types of things. Those words come up over and over and over. The first Bible that I ever got, I, uh, I read through the New Testament all the way through, and then I read from the Old Testament, um, Genesis to, to Malachi, and I hit Psalm 119, and I was like, holy smokes, these words come up like every verse, every verse. There's a new word, and they're repeated all the time through this whole thing. When does it end? It's so long. Um, and so I actually, I went back to the beginning, and I started circling it, circling all the words, commandment, law, right? instruction. And the, the psalmist, when he talks about all these things, he's, he's talking about how the people delight in it and they should, they should make it their treasure and they should keep them and that uh, there's this great intimacy with God in, in experiencing the fullness of what his commands bring and all of, all of this stuff. And this is, 
He's just making beautiful this relationship with God and how he has designed us to live and, and the things that he's specifically and uniquely said and written down in the scriptures and how amazing they are. And this is what he said. This is one of, one of the many. You can just go, go home and read Psalm 119 today because it's amazing. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. And so for the weaker brother, we can see this and be like, yes, I am easily swayed, but, but if I come to know and love God's law, I can be firm. I can be firm. Oh, that's so cool. And so where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? We're all like, hopefully we're all saying, God, am I the stronger brother? God, am I the weaker brother? God, how do I love better? God, how do I, how do I rest in my identity that I'm known by you? How do I, what does this all mean? And hopefully we're all there or, um, and so where do we go from there? Where do we go? Jesus is the everlasting king. He's the eternal son of God. In perfect freedom and in all knowledge, in all his love, he takes on flesh so that we could live a life just like his. Fully known by our heavenly father. Let's come back to that. Let's come back to that. All right, God, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm the weaker brother. God, maybe I'm the stronger brother, exercising my freedom in, in a not careful, considerate, prayerful way. But Jesus, you came in perfect freedom. Teach me how to live that life of perfect freedom. This is where we have to go next. Jesus, you have perfect knowledge. Teach me how to how to know things well and how to know other people well. Jesus, you became flesh. You incarnated into my life. Jesus, whose life can I incarnate into so I know them better and I can take care around them and, and teach them about who you are? And you died. That life was, was lived full and you died for me that as I sin as a stronger brother and when I sin as a weaker brother you died so that I could live in true freedom not the way that I understand my freedom right now I could live in true freedom and the start of that is being fully known by our heavenly father here's a verse from first Peter this one's not a secret. We can just let this one stay up there all day long and just enjoy it and just bask in it. And so. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Living as servants of God. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but live as servants of God. When you're known by God, you get to live truly free. 
when you're known by God. Maybe you're like, well, if you're, so we talk to the, to the church, and if so, if you're out there and you're like, well, and you're, you know, you, you don't consider yourself a Christian and you don't, uh, you're not part of a church, or maybe you are part of a church, but you're still like, I don't know about this God thing, and um, here's a little story. They, they took this story and they made it into a great series of movies, and it's really epic, and it took the world by storm, and the legacy of these movies is going to live on for a while, and it's about a princess and a scoundrel. <clears throat> and the princess, you know, gets herself in trouble, and the scoundrel comes to rescue uh, her, and they don't get along, right? They just don't get along at all. Very different personalities, very different upbringings, very different lifestyles. It's just very different. And maybe that's like your relationship with God, right? So you just are like, that. that's way too different. Like a life, I have to give my life to Jesus. Woo, that's like really weird. And um, so there's this princess and the scoundrel and they, they actually take time to get to know each other. And, you know, it's kind of forced into it because there's this uh, great evil that's going on, just, just destroying people. And um, the, the princess is trying to fight for freedom and the scoundrel is just kind of doing whatever, whatever it wants. And, you know, they eventually come together and then they're forced into this situation where they have to fight this great evil. Has anyone figured out what movie I'm talking about yet? Which? Oh, that's a good guess, but that's not what it is. Yeah. Star Wars, that's right. <laughs> Star Wars, right? The Princess Leia and the, the scoundrel. And what happens with them in the end, right? Has anyone seen, what's it called? The Force Awakens? Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, the Force. No, no, no. Yeah, the one where we see it and they're like actually married, right? They're actually married. With, anyway, so they eventually get married, right? We know this and they have kids and you know, they're running amok and whatever. But we know they, they get to know each other. They fall in love. They fall in love, right? Because they got to know each other. And so for you, you can be like the princess and the scoundrel with God. You can spend time, just get to know each other. You can be like Princess Leia and Han Solo. Just get to know each other, right? You might not agree on everything. Yeah, I get it. It's very different lifestyles, a very different life right now, you know, but get to know each other. What happens with the scoundrel, Han Solo? What happens there? he ends up fighting with the rebellion for freedom and actually kind of liking it a little bit by the end, right? To the point where, you know, they kill the first Death Star and then another Death Star comes along and he's like, hey, let's do it, right? And then he becomes an agent to fight for freedom for other people as well. Oh, that's just the gospel right there. Right, so get to know God. Get to know God. Take time. Um, and here's the, here's the last truth about freedom as we wrap up and the band's coming on the stage and we're just going to have a great time worshiping. Um, and this might just flip everything upside down if we already haven't been flipped upside down. Here's the truth about freedom. True freedom is not just liberty from all masters. Right? It's not just I can do whatever I want and no one can tell me what to do. That's not true freedom. That true freedom actually is we get transferred from a master of, 
in this day and age, it seems to be a master of total anarchy, like just individualism, I do what I want, whenever I want, I can define things how I want, I can restructure the way God had made the world in my mind and in my heart, I can just do whatever I want with it, right? I can be my own master, and this, uh, the Lord of, the Lord of comfort just rules over me and dictates everything that I do, and <clears throat> or the Lord of individualism, or the whatever it is, right? He says there's many lords and many gods, right? And they all incarnate into your life differently, that the God of comfort incarnates into your life differently, like you like to watch Netflix all the time because it's comfortable, the, or I don't know, you, you work all the time because you want to have nice things because that makes you feel comfortable, right? So the God of comfort incarnates into your life in different ways. And you don't just, it's not just liberty from that one master, right? The true freedom is not just liberty from that one master. It's actually transferring yourself from that one master on, to be underneath a different master. A master that is good and wants the best for you and wants true freedom for you. The one, the master, whatever it is, the, the master, the Lord or the God, the one that's not the one true God, he will say that he wants life for you. He'll say that he wants comfort for you. He'll say that he wants good for you, right? So both say the same things, but one of them is actually truly true freedom. One is actually true good. One, in its demand to ha have you live a nice and good, comfortable life, will actually suck all the goodness out of you. And, and you need to be transferred into one that, a, a master that will take everything from you and, and submit yourself under a master that will give everything to you. So we transfer the eternal rule of our lives from a tyrant to a perfectly loving king. And if you're not a Christian in here this morning, that's for you and that's possible. That's possible. Stick around this church for a little while longer. Stick around, get to know us as a community. Or maybe Christian who's been a Christian for a while and you're like, eh, okay, I get it here. You know, you guys have a certain culture and it's a little bit different from me, you know. Stick around a little while longer, push in deeper. Get to know us face to face. See who we are, see who's our master, see who we point to, experience it fully. Experience it, experience him. And so we're gonna take communion. And you can think about this in two ways. You can think about this in the way of, okay, this is what we do every Sunday. This is a church activity. And we're all gonna line up and I'm super eager. So I'm just gonna rush right to the front today and just grab it and go sit down. Cause you know, I like the singing part better. So this part takes away from that. And so I'm just gonna do it really quick, right? Cause we just do it every week. And so la -di da it's the same thing over and over. But actually, take care with this this morning. Take care with this. Consider who is your master. How can you lovingly, sacrificially serve and show the freedom of Christ to your brothers and sisters? And know that that freedom is bought because Jesus' body was broken. And that's why we've broken the bread and put it into pieces here. Because Jesus' body was broken on the cross and his blood spilled out of it and they jabbed a spear in his lungs and 
water and blood poured out and they said, yes, he's dead. This one who claims to be a king is dead and his blood is shed. And they took the cat of nine tails, which is this whip with a whole bunch of ends on it with, with uh, hooks on the end of metal and bone and it ripped flesh off his body and blood squirts out, right? This blood was shed so that you could have perfect freedom. Take care this morning. Take care. And then it be released to sing to him. Oh God, I need perfect freedom. I need perfect freedom. I need you. And let's sing passionately. I was so excited last week. We, the music was a little little bit quieter and I knew we were a singing church in my mind but I experienced it so much last week so let's sing to our King Jesus and then give of our resources because the offering bag will come around right and then we can give and say Jesus I'm free to give because this is yours you've given everything to me I'm free to give my connect card my contact information my prayer request because you love me and I can be vulnerable here so put that in the bag too and just make it a time of worship with our King. Let me pray. Jesus, Jesus, help us to rethink freedom. Help us to live fully known by you. That when we think about freedom, what we can and cannot do and who we can love and serve, that God, it would start with the truth that you know us. You know us. Intimately deeply and you still love you still serve you still give what a joy what freedom we pray this all in your good name about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.